0: Well, good morning, church. Great to be with you guys today. How y'all doing? For everybody who's joining us online, whether you're gathering from a bed, from a couch, from a, I don't know, what else you could be on top of or around right now, a chair, a sofa, I, who knows? A beanbag chair, if you're into that type of thing. However you are engaging with us today, it is awesome to be here to be gathered together. We're in this series called Frequency, and this is a season of life where it has been uh, difficult to hear the voice of God, and so we're leaning into how do we hear the voice of God. Hopefully, you took us up on the challenge that we issued last week, that we would be a people who say, hey, I'm going to tune out of the frequency of the frantic and crazy and false things that are all going on in this world, and I'm going I'm to say goodbye to some form of media, whether that's a newspaper, which I don't know how many people are rocking and rolling on that, or our social media, or the TV, and you said, I'm going to tune out of that, and I'm going to tune in the voice of the Father and dive into the 30-day reading plan. Uh, for those of you who haven't done that, it's not too late to jump in on that. If you're here watching in person, uh, we have these, I promised, and we delivered. Our Kindle delivered our, our amazing communications person. Uh, these are back there in the back. You can pick those up. Uh, this will help you as, as to be able to be guided through uh, how to tune in and hear God the next 30 days through His Word. For those of you who are online, again, that's Bible app. We've got some stuff there to be able to help you go right where you need to be able to dive in with that. Something new is going to happen today, all right? For those of us who have gathered in person, this will be new. For those of you who have been watching online and you've been enjoying engaging in church online, this isn't going to be new for you, but I want to to make known what's going to happen. You got an email earlier this week, uh, around Thursday or Friday, and it talked about how we have ran out of communion. And it's not because we were not prepared. It's just because every single person who has reopened their church, they're now using those little plastic. And again, I know they're not the most tasty things in the world, but it's all we got. So we're going to make do with it. Uh, But everybody is using those and so there's been a huge shortage in our country on those disposable communion things and we are supposed to get a shipment in next week but here's the deal we don't know when that's gonna happen here's what I want you to know God is bigger than logistical problems And you can still have communion. So what I'm going to invite you to is tonight at 8 o'clock, we're going to have communion together as a church. There's there's a video that I would love for you to dive into. Uh, Jessica and I broke bread together in our home. We're going to invite you into our home to be able to have communion together with us. But hear me on this. I don't got to lead you into communion. You can take some juice, wine, bread, get at your home, open up your Bible, and meet with a God who created you and longs to commune with you. Maybe you gather the grandkids. or Maybe you gather the kids. Maybe you gather a family member. Maybe you bring a friend over. Whatever you got to do. My, my thing is this. I want you to have communion this week. You can do it tonight with us at 8. I'd love for those of you who are online to be able to join us in there. We're all going to be doing it there. Or you find another way to do it this week. All right? Let me say a couple other things. All right? A little bit of housekeeping. We're going to dive in. It's going to be good. But I got to say some things, okay? I love you. I just had to preface that before I say what I'm getting ready to say next. I'm going to specifically talk to the people who are here, okay? As you all well know, there has been increases. There has been slight spikes. And probably some people would say that's not slight. uh, but, But there has been an increased seriousness in COVID cases. And what I want you to know is this, and I'm going to continue to say this, you know, here on out. If you want to continue to do this and to meet in person... Then I need you to live by the rules of social distancing. Okay? Now I know I'm not the best at that, but we gotta do our best. Okay? So I'm just gonna we've got to do our best. Part B of that. For those of you who are here in person, you are no better, no more spiritual, no more committed, no more indebted to anything else. You are no better and no more spiritual than the people who are watching online. And to you people who are watching online, You are no more spiritual or right or perfect or have your stuff together than these people who have chosen to come here and worship. Here's the deal, and I've said this from the beginning. I refuse to let this be something that divides the body of Christ. If you're watching online, you're one. If you're here with us, we're one. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, good to go. Okay, I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive in, all right? Jesus, we love you. We want to hear from you. It is a crazy time to be alive, Jesus. We need your help. We need your hope. There are times when, man, it'd feel easy. And it'd be really easy for us to let go of that hope and lose that hope. But Jesus, be our hope in the midst of this. As we get ready to dive into a really serious topic, guys, we talk about how to hear you specifically through the pain that we face. I pray you'd be with my friends here today. My friends watching at home in a bed. Maybe feeling pain. Maybe pain is what kept them from coming here. Maybe fear is what kept them. And and Father, I pray that Maybe today some people would be willing to allow an old wound to be opened up so that you can finally bring healing to it. Let us not run from that. Let us not be afraid of that. Let us us walk into what you have for us today. Let your word be preached, Jesus. In your name, amen. One last thing. Uh, as we get ready to dive in. Got kids in the room, got kids online. Uh, today, the three things you're going to be listening for, and I love how you adults, you just, I love how you adults have, have dug into this. Uh, the three things you're listening for are body parts, okay? So three body parts through the course of the message, all right? Today, I want to talk to you about hearing God through pain, and, and my hope today in talking to you about hearing God through pain is that it's not necessarily this this. Greek exegesis walking through you know verse by verse word by word passage that that's not what I'm going to be able to give to you today my hope of what I can give to you today is more so real life experience from what I have actually walked through For those of you who know my story a little bit you know that pain is something that has been a recent part of my family's story a little over 2 years ago my father was murdered in his home By someone he considered family. And so over the course of these last two years, I have a fresh wound and a fresh pain and a a real life walk through grief from that point to right now. And so what I'm going to give to you today is, is going to be a combination of me taking the, the ink that is in God's word and the truth that is in God's word and delivering that to you. But it's also going to be a combination of that mixed with me taking the ink and the tears that I have spilt in my own journals as I have tried to hear and listen from God through the midst of my own pain and suffering and losing my father who had already had a father wound from. And hopefully today through me sharing my testimony, through me sharing my story, how God speak to me and minister to me in the midst of my own pain, you hear him speaking and ministering to you, and you find something that brings help and hope to you. I want to start out today with a quote, great quote, that brings us in and gives us starting grounds for this reality of pain. It's written by a famous Christian author, C.S. Lewis. This is what he says. He says, We can ignore even pleasure, But pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, in this series, we're talking about hearing God through his word, we're talking about hearing God through pain, we're talking about hearing God through through people and hearing God through prompts, but the reality is, for every single one of us, you can leave the Bible closed and sitting on the nightstand. You can ignore every word that every person speaks into your life, and you can also ignore the promptings that God sends your way. But friends, we all can agree on the fact that you cannot ignore pain. You can't ignore it. It's unavoidable, and it's inignorable. And my hope and my prayer is today we would lean into what God wants to speak to us. One of the things that's been somewhat divisive uh, over the course of the last, you know, three or four months is this whole mask conversation. To wear masks, mask, to not wear a mask. You know, now we have to wear a mask in every grocery store that we ever have to go into and in every in Lowe's. We've got to wear a mask everywhere. I, and for me personally, um, my biggest hang-up with masks is it's just uncomfortable. I don't know, I feel like I have these little hairs on my nose and the the, the fibers in the mask, they tickle my nose. I feel like there's just constantly like a fairy, like tickling my nose the entire time I have it on. It's super annoying, but here's the deal. As uncomfortable as a mask is, most of us had already gotten really comfortable wearing masks already. And not ones that went on the outside of our faces, but ones that were on the inside. They hit our true feelings that hid the reality of what we may be walking through, that hid some of our past, that even hid some of our present. And so my, my hope and prayer today is, is, is not, you know, you know, everybody mask up, but my hope and my prayer today is everybody mask down. And maybe I'm not asking you to get real with anybody else but yourself, and to be honest with where you're at in the healing journey to the pain that you've experienced in your own personal life. One of the things about pain is that pain will take you places that comfort never could. And so we all want comfort. We all, you know, we like to insulate and isolate. We all long for comfort. But my prayer is that more than we long to be comfortable, we would long to be closer to Christ. And understand, guys, that pain will take you places that comfort never could. You know, in our society, I think we relate to pain similar to how we relate to the DMV. Anybody really enjoy going to the DMV? Yeah? Like, the only person who wants to go to the DMV is a 15-year-old. All Right? That's it. And even when they get there they go, "Oh, I see why you hate this, mom." But the DMV is something we we it's like we have to do this to get this so that we can go somewhere else. And pain is very similar. Pain is one of those things that is like a license And once you have it, it can actually take you places. And I believe there are people in this room, there are people watching online, that there are places that God wants to take you. There are things in your future that he wants to give to you. But the only way to get there is to get the license of pain and to be able to understand, to pass the pain test so that you can take the pain and allow it to lead you, with God's help, to something greater. And that's my hope that we can dive in today because you know when we talk about pain... We talk about it use, being used by God. And most of the time, people are in between those two things of it's being used by God, like God uses pain and God causes pain. Most of the people, if you went and you talked to you know, people who were either outside the faith or of a different maybe religion, they would say, Well, God, how could a good God cause all of that pain or let all that pain happen? Here's the deal God did not cause the pain, God, God's not the one who caused it so i make this very big point anytime I'm talking to people in the midst of their grief or in the midst of their guilt. God, in the midst of your pain, it is not God punishing you. you, you got to hear this. Some of you, this is, this is the, you can tune out after this. God is not punishing you. Here's why that's true. The Bible makes it very clear that the punishment that brought us peace was upon Jesus. And so if God is doling out sin punishment on you, what that does is that nullifies the punishment that he put on Jesus everything, all the punishment was on him. Here's what you need to know about God, though. He is just, but he is not petty. So God is not up in heaven looking at you going, I remember that snicker bar that you stole in fourth grade, and so I'm going to wait until you get your credit right, and then I'm going to blow you up. That's not our God. He is just, But he is not petty. Oftentimes, some of the things that we would call the punishment that we're experiencing is really just not God's punishing us, but it's us punishing us because of our dumb decisions. That's what I've experienced in my own life. And my hope is that you understand God's not punishing you. He's with me in this, and he's going to allow pain and utilize pain to help me through life. And this help that I've seen him give me as I've journeyed through passages in his word that talk about going through pain. Over and over again there is this recollection back to walking through pain. It it refers to pain as something that we walk through and I want to show you some passages that show what this walk is like. Because pain is never something we just go to. It's something we go through and the Bible talks about walking through it. The first verse, one that you're going to know, Psalm 23 verse 4. This is what it says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I've camped in some amazing, beautiful spots, like backcountry camping out in the middle of nowhere. I've camped in some great spots. My friends, I've also camped in the valley of the shadow of death. And I can tell you something that you already know, that the valley of the shadow of death is an awful place to camp. It was never meant to be a place we would camp. It was never meant to be a place for overnighters. The valley of the shadow of death was always meant to be a place we would walk through. There's another verse that talks about walking, but indifferent than walking through this valley, it talks about walking through deep waters. And it's funny that God knows how we would inerrantly been able to describe what it's like to go through pain and depression and anxiety because if you listen to oftentimes people who suffer from anxiety attacks or or suffer from depression, they describe it as this weight and sometimes they'll even talk about it as if it feels like I am drowning in this. And I love how the psalmist put words directly to what some of us have felt. In Psalm 69 too, David, same guy who wrote Psalm 23, said this, I sink in deep mire... Where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. So, if you're here and, and you feel like you can relate to one of those, you feel like, hey, I, I either feel like I am walking through this valley of shadow death, or I have walked through this, or I'm walking with somebody who is going through this, or I am in this place where I feel like I cannot get a foothold. All the things I try to, try to do to get a grip on life are not helping. And I feel like I am getting deeper and deeper and I'm losing breath. I would pray that you would hear the voice of a loving and heavenly father speaking what he did in Isaiah 43, verses 2 through 3 and 5 over you. Listen to what it says. Powerful here. In regards to this walk and the courage that we should have that puts in our spine as we go through this, it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. That is a great place, church, for an amen. That is a great place for it. See, when the fire and the flood and the valleys of darkness come, if we want to learn to hear God's voice, I believe we have got to learn how to walk through it. And so what I want to do today is as I study God's Word and I studied my own personal journal of of how I have heard God as I've tried to walk through this, I'm going to walk you through this acronym of WALK. W-A-L-K. If you're taking notes, you can write those letters down. I'm going to walk you through the WALK of how to hear God through pain. The reality about a WALK is a WALK is slow and rhythmic. It's one foot in front of the other. It's one in front of the other. It's not a run. You don't run through pain. How many of us want to run through pain, right? We want to get out of it as fast as possible. You know what happens when you try to run through pain? You trip. And there's more. You've experienced that. But over and over again, God's word makes it clear. Pain's going to come. Walk through it. Pain's going to come. Walk through it. First way that we hear God as we walk through pain is worship. Worship. Now, here's what I mean by Worship. Worship is not just standing up and singing. Worship is not just logging into a video and you know, getting in your living room in your jammies and, and singing songs. That's not just worship. Worship, I would define it as this. Worship is doing anything that stirs your affection for God. Worship is doing things that stir up your affection for God, that, that create praise to a holy God. And so when we're in the midst of pain, worshiping God is one of the absolute best things you do. Some of you, you're doing that right now. You're here, you're leaning into God's word. Maybe for you that means, hey, I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to do this whole Bible reading thing. I'm going to jump into God's word. I'm going to hear him through his word. That's being consistent in that. For some of you, it means, hey, I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to lean into God's word. Here's what I know. Having experienced going through grief and pain and all those other types of things, though, it's not easy to worship God when you're hurting. Is it? It's not easy to praise God when you're going through pain and when you're going through frustration and you're going through circumstances. Man, it's really hard because honestly, we're kind of mad at God. Like, how would you let this happen? Here's what I found. And this is why I think worshiping God through the midst of pain is a big and one of the biggest parts of the walk. And this is why I would start it here. The hardest praise is oftentimes the highest Praise. The hardest praise to give God is often the best praise that you'll give God. When it is the hardest, it is actually the best. Because here's why. When you're praising God when it is hard, you are praising God for provision that hasn't happened yet. When you're worshiping when it is still hard, you're worshiping God for who he is and not just what he's doing or wants to do. And that's a difference. It's praising God While you're still a child. It's praising God while you're still single. It's praising God when it comes back positive. It's praising God when it goes from stage three to stage four. It's praising God in the moments where you're still sitting on the porch. Praying for the prodigal to come home. It's praising God when you get served divorce papers. It's praising God in those moments that actually turns out to be the highest praise we can give him. Because it's praising him for who he is not exactly what we see going around us it's praising him knowing that I'm in a chapter I'm not in the whole story and that's what worshiping is like the next way that we hear God in the midst of the pain that we go through is we cry out Abba cry out Abba Father now some of you you're like what is Abba was that a band from the 80's what is Abba you didn't know I would know that did you See, Jesus spoke this language called Aramaic, and when Jesus would call out to Joseph as a child, you know he would say Joseph was his, you know, stepdad, uh, earthly dad. All Aramaic boys, not just Jesus, they would call their father Abba, and recorded all throughout Scripture. When Jesus is not just a little boy anymore, but when he's a grown adult, he still calls God Abba, which is our, our, the closest thing we have to that is Dada. And so I say to cry out, Abba, Father, because that's what Jesus did. So that's really the best reason I have for that. And Paul tied back into this in Romans chapter 8. If you've got a Bible, turn to Romans 8, go to verse 14. We tapped into this a little bit last week, but this is a thought I want to continue on here. Cry out, Abba, Father. Romans eight fourteen says this. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit. He adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to a form that we are, in fact, God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. That means you have an inheritance coming your way. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But here's the hard part. That last verse in there. It's one we wish wasn't there, right? It says, we're heirs, we are, we're part of the family. You're heirs, which means you get everything that God's got. And hashtag, that's a lot. But then there's that last verse, guys, and look at what it says. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. I wish that wasn't there, don't you? If we're going to share in his glory, and I want to share in that glory. You want to share. Trust me, you want your inheritance. But if you want to share in that, you're going to have to share in suffering. I've experienced that, man. Um, when all this stuff happened with my dad a couple of years ago, I'm, I'm at my in-law's house, and I'll never forget, you know, I got the news that everything had happened with my dad, and so I'm, you know, kind of the only one, like the pastoral presence in the family, you know, probably one of the the, the leaders, if you will, you know, just guilty by association because of my role and and, and my age and my gender and whatever in our family, the way our family works, you may be different in your family. And so I'm the one who's having to do everything. And so the ability to really grieve and mourn really hasn't happened yet because I've been trying to talk with district attorneys and talk with detectives and police and and organize funerals and do all this other type of stuff. And it wasn't until like four or five days into this that I had this moment. Jessica and I were were sitting at uh, her parents' house over in Carrollton, Georgia, uh, about an hour away from here. And I'm sitting there on the couch. And Jessica just kind of looks at me. And you ever have fellows... One of those times where maybe your wife or your mother, it's it's something weird. It's like only a woman can ask this question in a way that it like pierces your heart. But they ask you a question, and you know what they're asking is way more than the words that are contained in that question. You know what I mean? And so she says, How are you? I Pause for a second. Knowing that I would never be able to get away with a pat answer from her. I say, Jess, I just feel like a little boy. I feel like I'm having to pretend to be the man in all of this, but in my heart, I just feel like a little boy. I feel like a little boy who just wants his dad to come back home. And there, for the first time since I got the news, I actually cried and wept. And I believe that that's what God wanted, he wanted me to feel like a little boy in the midst of my pain, to remind me that I am, in fact, his boy. And for us, in the midst of the pain that we face, in the midst of the pain we feel, one of the things that oftentimes we get overlooked because we got grown-up pants on now, is that you are still his child. You you, you are still his kid. And, and those of us with kids, there's kids in this room, those of us with kids know this, that when your kid is upset about something, when they are in pain, they don't write up a thesis and create a great argument to, to be able to explain why they are messed up. What do they do? They cry. And I think some of you, the, the healing that, that you have been missing out on is because you have not allowed yourself to go to God like a child. You keep trying to go to him as an employee. You keep keep trying to go to him like he's a boss who's angry at you. You keep trying to go to him like he's a partner in this firm that you're trying to build. But he is your dad. If you want to find the healing, you've got to go to him like a child. And I believe that when we do that, healing can happen. One of the ways I saw this healing happen in a way I wasn't expecting is um, I committed to go to counseling in the few months after all of this happened. And it was awkward, I wasn't psyched about it, um, I have nothing against counseling, but it was always something I'd referred other people to do that I didn't need to do. And so I start going to this counselor, and um, over the course of the time that I got to spend with him, I come to find out that he had some similar experiences in life that I did, especially around the whole father wound side of things, and so he walked me through some things, some things that were helpful, some things that frankly were not, um, that's probably my fault. But i never forget this one day, I'm there and he says, Trent, you lost your father in a way where you're really never able to say goodbye and there's healing that needs to happen, but obviously that healing can't happen in the, in the context of that relationship. So here's what I suggest, this is something I've done in the past and I would suggest you do this as well. He says, what I want you to do is find a time where you can be alone. You can either you know wake up early or, or do this something this late, but I want you to go uh, find a, a comfy uh, you know whether it's a sofa, a love seat, something at your house. I want you to go find that spot, and then I want you to go, and I want you to get on that piece of furniture, and I want you to to turn instead of sitting on it front ways. I want you to sit on it uh, kind of sideways to where when you lean, you actually could lean your face into. The back of whatever piece of furniture that is. And as you rest there on the couch uh, against the, the back of the, you know, the arm of the chair and, and the back of the couch, I want you to rest your head there on the couch and I want you to imagine that that, that couch is, is God holding you in his arms. I heard that and I was like, you're crazy. Like, I'm paying you good money, and you're telling me to hug couches. <laughs> Something's off here. And so I did my best, you know, again, us, us pastors, we have a good job of being able to, you know, n- not letting our, uh, our face know what our mind is thinking. And so I kind of bottled this up. I'm like, you know, this definitely didn't help. And I get in the car, and I'm calling my wife, and I call Jessica. I'm like, Jessica, this guy is crazy. Like, his grand advice for me to do was to hug the couch, like, that's it, hug a couch, hug a couch. Hey, you know, I hate your dad's dead, hug a couch. I said, honey, this isn't, this is, I'm not going back. This is ridiculous. A couple weeks went by, and I went back, because she told me to. And he goes, how did it go? And I go, I didn't do it. He says, well, why not? I said, well, here's the deal. I I held my kids. I I took Ezra. Ezra at that point was a little over a year old. I said, I took Ezra, my youngest, smallest. I held him on my arms and just let him fall asleep right there on my chest. And I I was able to feel what it was like for for his, his, his little head to be on my chest. And he calmly said, Trent, when is it going to be your turn? To which I replied, it will be my turn when someone comes along who is big enough strong enough and able to pick me up in their loving arms and hold me in their bosom and and, and just be able to nuzzle me there. When that ogre, that giant comes along, mister, I will will rest in their arms. A couple of weeks went by and I had this morning where I, again I'm trying to go to God's word I'm trying to do the things the consistent worship things trying to give him the, the hardest praise even when it's you know, you know the highest praise when it's the highest and I, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm, I'm struggling through it. I'm reading my Bible and, and I had one of those mornings where and you, maybe you can relate to this where I felt like my prayers were just bouncing off the ceiling like nothing I'm reading I'm hearing stuff God this doesn't make sense I'm not hearing from you God I'm not hearing from you as a father my, my earthly father is dead and gone what's the deal and so I end, the mo- I end my prayer time just in frustration, close the Bible, and, and I go into the living room, and I sit down on a couch. I kind of lean back a little bit. A little bit of time passed, and my head kind of went to the back of the couch. And then I don't know what was going on, but for some reason it felt like my torso <laughs> just started to turn for some reason. I kick my legs out a little bit and I leave my whole head on the couch And the silence there of my living room nobody else is awake wee hours of the morning I wept for my second time since all this had happened and I cried in that moment until Ezra Ezra woke up he's crying and so I get up and I'm I'm wiping tears off my face I'm going back to, to Ezra's room and as I walk to Ezra's room I whisper under my breath God, I'm sorry for ignoring what you were trying to speak to me all along. Thank you for holding me together. And so if you're listening to this and you're in the midst of pain, please don't hear me prescribing hug a chair as a solution to your problem. The message I'm trying to get across to you is this. There is nothing that will hinder you from being able to hear the voice of God speaking into your pain like pride. So friend, please don't let your own personal pride keep you from hearing what God wants to speak to you in the midst of your pain. You know, pain and pride, they seem to go hand in hand, and oftentimes that very pride is what makes us think that We have to have our stuff all the way together before God can actually use us and teach us and do anything with us through the midst of our pain. But here's the deal. As I look through the Bible, I can't find very many people who God has used greatly who were able to avoid pain. It's a part of it. Some of the best people at leading were still bleeding. And some of the best people at being able to actually be people who God used greatly were people who were going through pain. Now, for a second, let me speak to some young people in the room. Like I remember when I was your age, and and I wanted to do good things for God, and I wanted to follow after Him. And in the midst of that, one of the things I would pray is, God, use me. And some of us, you know, maybe you're starting out with Christ, you pray that prayer. God, use me. God, use my talents. God, use my gifts. God, use my abilities. We pray, God, use me. Here's the deal, though. You have no idea what you're asking for. Because the very thing that God may want to use most to use you for the biggest impact is actually your pain. Here's the deal. The people around you, all those people you want to reach, all those people we want to reach at church, people relate to your brokenness way more than they do your righteousness. And so God God may be saying, hey, I'm going to let you be a little bit of a Picasso. You're going to be a little messed up looking. People are going to see what's going on in your life and be like, I don't know. But he's going to use you. He's going to speak to you through it. The next way that we can hear God in the midst of our pain is to look to the cross. Look to the cross of Christ. There at the cross we see this reality that that no one avoids pain who God uses greatly fully on display as we see the person who is God in flesh doing the greatest thing ever on our behalf. We see that at the cross of Christ. And I want you to understand that that was part of God's redemption plan all along. For a lot of us, we can't get our heads around this idea that God would allow personal pain to be a part of his plan for our life. He's he so good. He's so righteous. He's so loving. He's so caring. How would he allow pain to be part of my life? Here's the deal, friends. I can, I, I'm telling you this from my own personal experience, from my own life in a world where people have free choice and free will, people are inevitably going to do the wrong thing. Bad is going to happen. Bad choices are going to be made. You're going to make bad choices. I'm going to make bad choices. When those bad choices happen, pain comes. Look at the garden. They both eat the apple. God says, Eve, what do you get? Pain. These are the fruits of bad choices. You get pain in childbirth. And He says to Adam, You get the pain of breaking up the ground, toiling, to produce fruit. The results of bad choices is is inevitably going to be pain. But what we see is that God redeems pain. We see that prophesied in Isaiah 53. Great verse. I want you just to hear it. Okay, Let 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 me speak this to you. Isaiah 53. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah, years and years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, this is what he says of the coming Jesus. He says he was despised. Rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one whom people hide their faces from, he was despised. He was held in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And it is by his wounds that we are healed. So Jesus is a a man of sorrows. He is acquainted with grief and that means that I can trust Jesus with my pain because he's been through pain. That this Christ that we serve is not one who just made it out of this life scot-free. He went through isolation. He knows what it's like to have people betray him. He knows what it's like to not know where he's going to lay his head the next week or where the next meal is going to come from. He knows what it's like to be single. He knows what it's like to be alone, depressed, and rejected. He knows what it's like to feel our pain. That's the difference between Christianity and every other world religion is we have a God who was us. That's the difference, guys. So you don't have a God... You don't have a Jesus. You don't have a Savior who knows what it's, doesn't know what it's like to suffer like you suffer. So when you want to hear from him, look to the cross. But don't hear, and this is, I advise you on this. This is one of the things I've learned as I, you know, I had to circle back to. Yes, look to the cross to hear them through pain, but don't stay at the cross. Remember, cross happened on Friday. Empty tomb happened on Sunday. So we don't just look to the cross. The only thing that's left on your cross, friend, is sin, your sin, my sin. That's what's on the cross. But there's an empty grave that proves the fact that pain, there's a resurrection coming. And there may be sorrow in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so I want you to know that that God doesn't waste the pain. He didn't waste it on the cross, and he's not wasting it in your life. I saw this happen in this time I went up, and I was going to try to do this little spiritual retreat, you know. Us pastors, we're, we're good at prescribing stuff, and we prescribe stuff to ourselves. And I was having one of those times where I felt like I was not hearing God at all. And so uh, somebody recommended, hey, man, just take a, get, get, a, get a new place. You know, you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling? Um, go somewhere where there's not a ceiling. And so I went out in the mountains in North Carolina, and I, and I go out and I just do a solo camping trip, just me and God. I take my Bible, take much of nothing else. And, and, I, and I just go out, and I'm doing this trip. And I'm up there, and I'm like, God, I can't wait to hear from you. I'm going to be in your creation. And it's like I've decorated, you know, it's like all this stuff, and, and we're here, and we're good to go. And you pray, and it's still nothing. And I do it, and I, I think I'm doing everything right. God, I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm doing everything right. Why can't I hear from you? Anybody else ever been in the midst of your pain going, God, where are you? I can't hear. I don't hear you. And I get in the car, and I'm quiet for a while, just silence. And then it finally just starts to come out of me. I'm finally able to just be real and honest with God and be like, God, why did it have to be this way? God got murder? He already beat cancer, he already beat addiction. Why this? And, and, and why me? Why now, God? Like, I, like there was already this wound, there was already a lack of closure, there was already this pain of rejection and this need for approval, and then you just take him away, God? In this moment, I felt like God sternly said to me, Son, do you think I would let you suffer anything more than what you have to? And then he said, Do you think I let Jesus suffer anything more than what he had to? Jesus, my my only begotten Son, who I've been in perfect union from, from the creation of all time, do you think I let him suffer any more than he had to on the cross? Do Do you think that I didn't count every follicle of hair that would be plucked from his beard? Did you think that I didn't count every single thorn that was going to be in the crown? I knew how many nails were gonna be there. I knew every drop of saliva. I knew how many people would spit in his face. I knew everyone who was in the crowd. I knew every single thing down to the scientific exact amount that my son would have to suffer on the cross, not just to bring me glory, Trent, but to bring me you. So don't think that I'm letting you suffer anything that is one iota more than what you have to To bring me the glory I deserve. And when you hear something like that from God, it'll shut you up real quick. It'll humble you real quick. And for you, wherever you're at and the pain that you're feeling right now, like God's not reckless in just dumping out pain on top of pain on top of pain. What he watched his son go through on the cross, and what he's watched you go through, it hurts him. How many of uh, us parents in the room, man, your kid can get boogers in their nose, just a little bit of sniffles, and you're like, God, give me the sniffles. I'll take them. If we feel that about our own kids and our own broken, fallen, jack how much do you feel like a heavenly father feels on you when, you when he sees you suffering? He hates it. That's why he sent Jesus into it. So that he can heal it. and You may not feel ultimate healing this side of it. But he wants you to experience what he's got in it. And you've got to be able to look to the cross, see the truth that is there to know he's walking with you through it. He's going to continue to walk beside you in the midst of it. The last thing, if we want to hear God in the midst of our pain, is we have got to keep it real. I know that phrase gets tossed around a lot in our culture. I'm just keeping it real. I'm keeping it real. But here's the deal. Oftentimes we can say that, but we don't do that. We're not actually keeping it real. More often than not, that is what we say to be part of our fakeness. Well, I'm just someone who keeps it real. You ever notice the people who are like the first ones to go, well, I just tell people what I think. I don't care about what anybody thinks. Oftentimes those are the people who care the most about what people think of them. That's why they said it. Here's the deal. God already knows what's really going on with you. You don't have to come to Him and try to pretend. Like so many of us, like, and I think that's what that's what that's the that was the flip of the switch for me in the car. I, I, I'm going to go to the mountain God I'm reading my word I'm going to pray I'm going to do all this stuff blah, blah 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 and I think God's the whole time up in heaven is like when are you going to get real with me you're being how, I, how you think you should be to hear from me I just need you to be you I don't need you to be who you think you need to be for me just be you And so some of you, like, and I'm I'm going to talk to some men here for a second, and women, you may be here too. I I just know as a guy, this is my life. Um, Man, we just want I'll stuff it down. Stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. I'm going to bury this pain. It's not going to bury me. Here's the deal. It will bury you, friend. What I want you to understand is that God wants to deliver you through it. He wants to walk with you through it. Jesus was incredibly and unimaginably real with the Father when he was on the cross. I want to show you how real he was. This is what he said. While Jesus is bloody, whipped, beaten, there on the cross, in Matthew 27, verse 46, we see this. It was about three in the afternoon, and Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, if Jesus can be honest, you can be honest. If Jesus can, can on a cross, in front of a crowd even, cry out to his Father and ask why. Why, God? And not just why, like, hey, why is this happening? But why have you forsaken me? Then we can ask him anything that we need to ask him. The Bible says it's okay to be angry. You knew that, right? A lot of times we think, oh, oh, I'm a Christian, can't be angry, and I just got to be Ned Flanders. No, you don't. It is okay to get angry sometimes. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Be as angry as you want to be. There's some Christians who need to get more angry about some things. And bring it to God and take it to him and and be as honest as you need to be. But understand this, that Jesus, as he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What that means there in the midst of your pain that you're experiencing and that you're going through, he was able to take that forsakenness so that you, in the midst of whatever pain you feel, would know that you will never be forsaken, that you always have a father who loves you, that you are never alone in this, and that he is going beside you. So if we want to hear God through pain, we've got to worship. We've got to not allow what is wrong with us to keep us from worshiping what is right with God. We've got to cry out, Abba, Father. We've got to look to the cross. And we have to be keeping it honest and real with our Father. And the last next step, like how to put this into action, obviously we've got to live out the walk. But in regards to the people who are all around us, the we in this conversation, most of us have heard that old cliche, time heals all wounds. Nope. It doesn't. You've seen that to be true. Time may numb some things. Time may make some things have a lot of other memories on top of them that make it harder to get to that one that really stinks. But time doesn't heal wounds. Who heals wounds? Jesus heals wounds. Jesus alone heals wounds. And so for us, as the people of God, We cannot sit around and wait on time to do something that Jesus may want to do in and through you. So if you know someone who is wounded, if you know someone who is in pain, go to them. Let Jesus use you. Let him work through you. For those of you who may be watching this online, I want to encourage you right now. There's a link that you can click on where we can continue to pray for you, where you can have direct access to to pastors who are praying for you. Those of you who are watching this in person, I'll be down here. We'll have people here, and and we can pray together. If you're in the midst of the pain that you're going through, don't go through it alone. Know that he's here with you. Know that he's guiding you. And as we get ready to to go into a time of response, the band's going to lead us in this song called Glorious Ruins. I love the line of the song. It just fits in with this entire theme that we've been talking about today of this idea of walking, and especially walking in the midst of fire. This is what it says. I pray you sing this today with more truthfulness than maybe you ever have. It says, I'll walk through the fire with my head lifted high, with my spirit revived in your story. Not your story, his story, your story. And I'll look to the cross where my failure is lost. In the light of your glorious grace. Let's pray together, church. Jesus, we are so undeserving. We are so undeserving of your grace, your mercy, and your love. But you give it anyway. And I pray for those who are suffering, God. I pray for those with secrets they've never told. I pray for those who have have wounds from their childhood, God. I pray for those, God, who are suffering. I pray for the divorced to seek love in you. I pray for the fatherless. To know that you are with them, that you are an Abba, Father. I pray for those with anxiety to know that the punishment that was upon you, Jesus, has now brought them peace. And not just peace with the things of this world, but ultimate peace, which is peace between God and man, between them and you. And I pray that being at peace with you allows them, God, to be at peace with everything else that they're facing in their life. We need you, Jesus. This world needs you, Jesus. Be with us as we lift you up today. In your name, amen.